Hello everyone, this is Mike Springston from Mike Springston FFC Coaching You in the Word podcast. Tonight, I'm going to share with you the message that I taught on uh, 7-31-22 entitled, The Revelation of the Name Change from Matthew chapter 16. I hope you will enjoy it. I want to welcome all of those of you from around the country who download our study material and our Bible teachings. Always want to remind you that you can contact us at Mike Springston FFC Messaging at MikeSpringstonMinistries.com and at Springston56 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm going to go ahead and get into the message from last night, and I hope you will enjoy it. God bless you as you study his word. Hey, listen to us throughout the week. Those of you that will join us on Lift Him Higher Radio and Mike Springston, uh, FFC podcast, coaching you in the word. Uh, We want to thank you for your giving today. Uh, We were blessed. We were able to do within the budget uh, and be able to put some um, in store And we are grateful for every one of you that has come through in that regard. What a blessing it is. My mother said to me something that I will share with you. God is a giant slayer. Isn't he though? He slays all the giants in our life, no matter what they are. Physical, financial, mental, emotional, whatever they are. God is a giant slayer. And because of that, We are always glorying in what the Lord does. I want to say hello to Sharon and Tammy and the rest of and Jim and the rest of you that will come on with us. We're going to get started so that we can get into the Word of God. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the Word. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. Then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be brought into the image of your dear Son. Father, we surrender, yield, and sanctify ourselves to the ministry of your Word. We ask, God, that Jesus would be released to speak, the Holy Ghost would be released to hear, and then the Holy Spirit would release the directives of Jesus through my mouth and my spirit as I teach and preach the Word of God. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, Lord, and God. Amen. Hi, Verdell. It's good to see you again tonight. Um, I want to begin tonight by um, saying that we are still tonight doing part two, uh, but we're calling this message the revelation of the name change. So that's the title of the message tonight. Uh, I want you to know that when the light of truth is shined upon the man Jesus Christ, there was an extreme amount more to know about him than what we had reckoned. Of course, in this message from Matthew chapter 16 was a revelation that extended to the church. That's why it was so vital that when he referred to him as Christ, the Son of God, that we 
understand the significance of the term Christ because Jesus relayed this message of the revelation directly to the church. So then we'll go to verse 18 of Matthew 16. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thou art Peter. He said, Peter, your name means boulder. And upon this revelation of which you have expounded concerning who I am, from that revelation, I'm going to build my church. Now, I want you to see that because he's been called the Son of Man. He's been called the Prophet. He's been called the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon these revelations of who I am, I'm going to build my church. Do you see it? He is the total completeness that Paul said he was, Colossians chapter 1. Soon I'm going to follow this up with how Paul identified him in Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to see the Word of God track from what the revelation was to the church concerning Jesus Christ and what Paul's message to the church of Colossae was and how the two have brought out the completeness of who Jesus is. Now Jesus referred to him, as we know in verse 17, as Simon Bar-Jonah. But now in verse 18, he refers to him as Peter. Now why? Well, Simon Bar-Jonah was his common name. I want you to see this. It was the name of his intellectual identity. He had the name, been given the name Cephas, which means a little stone, when he met Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 42 through 44. But Jesus knew that this revelation had been produced by a substance that was not of his intellect and did not come from his own nature. This was something produced in Peter that had not been produced in his brethren. This didn't come from his knowledge of what he had done in his background because it would have involved an illustration from that lifestyle. No. What Peter, the, na the revelation of that name, which means bolder, had given them was a revelation from the Spirit about who Jesus Christ, the high priest, the Lord, and the man in the Godhead really was. All of those are seen in Matthew 16. This revelation, of course, was the foundation that would become the bedrock of the church. Only if we understood it. In order to bring more illumination to the shedding of light, Jesus provides a name for Simon Barjona that will always remind them of the moment that Peter 
brought out of the spirit world who the Son of Man was, who the Christ was, and who the Son of God was. He brought it out of the spirit world. Of course, Peter being translated bolder would always bear with him the revelatory spirit revelation that the church would use as the foundation of what they were to become and how they were to be able to minister this Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord and our God, throughout the church. Now that church was to go from Judea to Samaria. It was to go into Jerusalem and to all the world. What was the message they were to take? That Jesus Christ was the high priest, the Lord, and the Son of God, who is our man in the Godhead. He was called this because he had produced a revelation. Now watch what I'm about to say that would define Jesus. It would define him to the church. This revelation, of course, is large. It's not a stone. It's not a rock. It's a boulder. This revelation is a, an unmovable and immutable object. It is unchangeable. When we look into Hebrews chapter 6, beginning with verse 13, here's what we see. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear, swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. Now I want you to see this. Because in the revelation of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our God, the same blessing and the same multiplication is extended to the church. So after he, meaning Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Now there was the unchangeable promise of God. That blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. And it was a confirmed oath that he gave to Abraham. Well Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 was giving the same promise or a type of promise. And an oath of confirmation to the disciples and ultimately to the church. That oath would come in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Those are things that the high priest found in the tabernacle. There was the assurance of what God would do as he promised he would do in Abraham's case. In the church's case, he has promised that as your son of man, he would die. He would take your flesh into the tomb. As Christ, he would go to hell and be resurrected from the dead. Bring back the victoriously anointed Christ who would take the keys of death and hell. As your high priest of whom hell would never prevail against, he would take the blood 
the unchangeable, immutable, absolute blood into the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, and there sprinkle them on the vessels of ministry so that the blood could cover every conceivable infirmity, weakness, and need of sin, of body, of spirit, and soul, and man could be reconnected by, to God by the promise of what Jesus Christ has accomplished in the names, the Son of Man, the Christ, the Son of God, His Lordship. You see, whenever we come to the understanding that in Jesus Christ, and we're going to see it here in Hebrews 6, to, uh, 6 in just a moment, God has made an unchangeable and recognizable promise for the benefit of mankind in Christ Jesus. What is it, Pastor? It's His names. It's what He does in those names. Now verse 17 said, Wherein God willingly, more abundantly, to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath. God's desire was to show man that he doesn't change. What does that mean? He's going to conduct business with man under the same oath and promise that he did with Abraham. He's always going to be true to his word. He would bless them and multiply them. Think about that. In the names of Jesus Christ, He has blessed you. And in the names of Jesus Christ, He has multiplied you. How's that? Well, He's saved you. He's given you a new spirit. He's brought you into the priesthood, whereby you're called brethren. In the priesthood, you have the opportunity to come in and offer your sacrifices of praise where you can multiply the blessings of God towards those of whom you're praying. This is what He's done for the church, friends, and He's done it through the names, through the bedrock, the foundation of the church. Verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope the hope that is set before us. Now, what is that hope? What is that promise? And what is that oath that lay before us? Well, Peter has identified both the promise and the unchangeable person for us in Matthew chapter 16. Now watch verse 19 of Hebrews 6, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Now, Jesus Christ, the high priest, Lord, and God, is the anchor of our thinking. Oh my. Listen. He is the anchor of our soul. He is the anchor of our mind, will, and emotion. He is the anchor now of how we think about Him, how we think about God, because in His name has come the renewing of our mind. 
We have been renewed by the names of Jesus Christ. In Jesus we were saved. In Christ we were brought into the spirit of new life. Our mind was renewed. Our mind was brought to life. We were brought out of death into life and peace. Then, by the renewing of our mind, we were made to be the priests of God. Now then, by the renewing of our mind, watch what's going to happen here in Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to be able to go beyond the veil with Him and see Him as Lord and the God who communicates with us. He is the one who holds in Him the accomplished work of all of the promises of God within Himself. He entered behind the veil as our high priest and carried all of our needs and weaknesses. He went into the holy place as the high priest, sprinkled the blood, and then entered in behind the veil to be able to approach God. With all of our needs and our weaknesses covered by His body and His blood, of which we saw at the table of showbread. He sprinkled the blood on the vessels of ministry for the freedom and liberty that every believer could have from the clutches of sin, sickness, and the effects of the nature of the sin man. Verse 20. Now watch this now. Wherefore the forerunner is for us entered. Now why would there be a forerunner? Well, the word forerunner in the Greek means the one who is a scout. He goes ahead. He paves the way. He makes the path for us to do what? To follow. Where are we following Him? Through His name. Into what? From the cross to the grave. Glory to God. To the resurrection from the dead. To the height, to the priest, and to the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, where once we have offered our sacrifice of praise, we come in with the high priest into the throne room of God. There we find him as Lord. We'll get into that more in a minute. Can you see it? He has scouted out the path for us to follow. That's why the writer of the book of Hebrews said in chapter 4 that we have access into the throne room of God where we can obtain, come boldly, and obtain grace and mercy to help in time of need. All of this puts together the puzzle. It all was unveiled as a revelation to the church in Matthew chapter 16 concerning the names of Jesus. Now, my friend, this is a boulder of revelation that Simon Barjona, whom we now know as the revelation of Peter, has released concerning Jesus Christ. Not Peter, but concerning Jesus Christ. For that, Peter received a name change. The revelation consists, now listen, of Jesus and His relationship to the church and how the church would relate to Him or how the church was supposed to relate to Him. Because they were supposed to see Him as the Son of Man who was Jesus, who became the High Priest. They were supposed to see Him as the Christ, who was the victoriously anointed Lord, who had the keys of death and hell. They were supposed to have seen Him as Lord, who was over heaven, hell, and earth. All control, total authority and power. And they were supposed to see Him, according to Paul's writing in Colossians 2, as the man in the Godhead. See, this revelation 
was about the names of Jesus Christ. And we're going to get into that more. This name would not relate Peter to his past. But it would relate him to his future. Peter and the border of the revelation of the name and the works accomplished by Jesus Christ would relate Peter to everything he was going to do in the future. Now, Peter had his struggles, yes. But when Peter got through what happened at the cross, what happened with the resurrection, and he breathed on them and at John 20, and Thomas saw him as our Lord and God, and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter's person, personality, spirit, and mind was completely reconciled to the boulder of revelation about who Jesus was. And all you have to do is read Acts chapter 2. Peter correctly identified him so that all of the disciples and all of the church would operate on the same foundational level so that other people could be correctly brought to him and identify him for who he is. Now you and I are fortunately and supremely blessed because from our spirit has been produced the revelation that will be the resource upon which the church will both stand and prosper. Verse 18, he said unto him, in Matthew 16, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 18, we see another revelation of the names of Jesus. Now remember, he began this process by identifying himself as the Son of Man. He related the Son of Man to their humanity, and because of this, he would die as their legal sacrifice. He also related the position to high priest who would preside over his own sacrifice due to this relationship of him as high priest. Now think, we can be touched, he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Peter referred to him both as Christ, who is associated with his resurrection and power, and the Son of God, who is the person in the Godhead bodily. Jesus then refers to his lordship as he relates himself to two areas of which Paul says he has complete dominance. First, he relates himself to the church. Huh? Who is established in the earth? He said, upon this rock of revelation, I will build my, my, my church. Second, he says, and the gates of hell who are established in the underworld, but are operating in the earth, will do what? They won't be able to prevail against them. So he took total lordship. He showed, rather, total lordship over both the church and hell. He showed that. He showed how it was going to come. It was going to come through the accomplished works of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. This text is the revelation upon which the church should be functioning. The church should be functioning under the complete 
authority of everything that Jesus Christ accomplished. And we may have missed this in our teaching, friends, and we may have missed this in our preaching. So if we're to operate in the new name, then we must operate under the correct identification. I was listening to Erwin Lutzer, the pastor of Moody Church out of Chicago the other day, and he began to speak about a new name. And he said, you know, we can change our name anytime we desire. All we have to do, now watch what he said, is identify what it is that is really at the core of our problems and name it. And then bring it in repentance just as we do sin. He will forgive us and give us a new name. I thought that was a tremendous comment. So if our core issue, of course, would be something such as anxiety, then call yourself who you are and take it to Jesus. Now, where would you take it? Well, you would take it to the cross and repent. You would take it to the tomb and die. You would take it to Christ in resurrection and put it on a new spirit of life. Then you would take it to the high priest who has sprinkled blood for your release and freedom. Then you would place his lordship over it and you would begin to communicate with the Godhead concerning your new life, your new direction, your new instruction. You see how that works? He's going to forgive you. He'll change your name. That is at the core of who he is. Well, if you let's, for instance, say that you take anxiety, what might be your new name? Well, your new name might be serenity. If you have an addiction or a dependency, what would be your new name? Your new name would be freedom. If you have anger to deal with, what could be your new name? Patience. If you're a greedy individual, what would be your new name? Generosity. If you're sick, what would be your new name? Health. If you're absent, not attending, not showing up, what could be your new name? Present. If your name is poor, what could be your new name? It could be full. This name thing is a real deal. What you identify with and how you identify with it is going to become who you are. The names of Jesus Christ has given you the avenue to change your identity and find the new name through the revelation of Jesus Christ. We must identify the core of our identity and change it by repenting of who we thought we were and identifying with who we are in Jesus Christ, the high priest, our Lord and our God. If we do that, my friend, then we can be in Christ. And if we are in Him, then there is nothing that is impossible to you. If we catch that revelation, then we can obtain a name change just like Peter did. Glory to God. Now that we see this, we must also see the part of the revelation that goes beyond the fix of our shortcomings. Now watch. We must see the fix of our new relationship in the spirit life. We are to come alive in and to Him. Since we are alive, we do not live any longer in darkness, but we live and worship in light. I watched this week as two major churches 
conducted their worship services in darkness. And I asked, why is the ministry to the body no longer effective? Why is the ministry to the body no longer happening? Why is the laying on of hands no longer a custom expected in the house of God? Why is that? Well, then I realized our churches are worshiping in sanctuaries where the lights are out and it is covered in darkness. Those on the stage cannot even see the face of those to whom they are ministering. They're ministering in a dark room. No ministry to the people. How in the world could that be? Why? Because we have gone along with the world in that regard. People are not being ministered to. We saw ministry today in our church. We saw ministry today in our church. Because it was visually available. And the Spirit of God moved. Didn't see that. Two major denominations. Darkness is the thing that Paul said we were translated from. And light is the thing we are drawn towards. We must walk in light. We must become alive to light. If we fail to do so, we cannot function in the holy place. We cannot serve as priests to the people. We cannot execute the position of priest. The holy place is full of light. And it beams from one candlestick off of the gold in the holy place where the vessels of ministries are, where the blood and the body of Jesus Christ has been released, covers the walls with gold. Light permeates. Our approach into the throne room of God then becomes unavailable to us because we are unable to offer in the holy place appropriately because we're trying to do it in a spirit of darkness. What a foolish thing. The word of God declares that Jesus is light and the holy place of ministry of which the priest and the high priest operate is full of the light of God. Darkness is the thing that Paul said we were translated out of. Someone said, oh, pastor, I don't see anything wrong with the way we're using lighting and decoration in the sanctuary. I just don't see anything wrong with that. Well, while that may be true and while you may see no impact, it must be stated you didn't set the standard. You didn't draw the pattern. You were not the one that identified what the tabernacle, where the priest would be, prior to entering into the throne room, how it would resonate with the light of... You didn't do that. God gave the plan and the pattern for man's ability to worship. And for man's opportunity to enter into the throne room of God. As usual in our day, we think we are smarter and more able than God to, quote, get it right 
for the benefit of inclusion and comfort. God doesn't see it that way. If he did, he would have done it that way. But he did not. My friend, we must follow the book. If we desire to offer praise correctly as a priest, then we had better do three things. We had better prepare ourselves to imitate Christ. We had better prepare our sanctuary, which is our holy place, to be acceptable by Him, not by us. And we must come and offer the sacrifice of praise for what our high priest has accomplished on our behalf. If we expect to correctly approach God, then we better follow the plan of God. We must understand that when we enter into the holy place, we are coming into His place to offer His praise, not in darkness. My God, Jesus Christ went into the depths of darkness in hell. The Holy Spirit showed up and all of a sudden light pierced darkness and the Holy Spirit brought the spirit of life and Jesus put on robes of righteousness, pure white, changed his garment, came out of hell, brought the light of God into the earth and there the light has ever existed to expel darkness. But yet we want to go worship in it. Doesn't make any sense, my friends does not make any sense. It is unbiblical, it is unscriptural, and it does not follow the pattern of the living God. Therefore, our praise and our worship is stunted, is stopped, because we are bringing it from the right place while the devil stands back and laughs at your calamity. He laughs at your struggle. And you wonder where is God? My friend, He set the standard by which we must follow. Our tabernacle must be full of light because it is in the light that we will find Jesus Christ expressing Himself and giving Himself to His people. I... I'm going to have to stop here. I could go on and on with this. But I want you to understand something. The revelation about who He is has been given. John 1 told us He is light. He is the light of the world, my friend. We should not be placing our light and lamp under a table or under a bushel. We should be producing that loud and clear so the world can see and hear. That light dispels darkness and you can be delivered from sin and the darkness thereof. Well, I've run out of time for tonight. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the anointing, the truth. I thank you for the spirit of God. I thank you for the obedience of those who obey your spirit. I thank you, God. That as we obey you, you manifest yourself. There's nothing hidden. Now, Father, I pray that your word will strike the heart of everyone that listens.
that we would take account concerning how we offer our sacrifice of praise and how you accept our sacrifice of praise. Because often our sacrifices are being nothing more than tinkling symbols that are striking a glass ceiling and we're frustrated by it because we don't understand what Jesus has accomplished for us. We just, Lord, at times want to become something that everybody and anybody can just run to and feel right at home. Father, I pray that our ministry would take on a ministry that causes people to feel at home because they have been saved, delivered, sanctified, and filled with the Spirit of God. Minister now, I pray, and keep us until we have the opportunity to meet again. May the riches of God bless everyone in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I, I want to add um, something that I, I did not get to put in there last night, but um, it is imperative that... Um, we add it, we must understand that when we enter in to the holy place, that we come under the Lord, or enter into the throne room of God, we're under His Lordship. He's over all three worlds. So whatever uh, you are in His presence to discuss, to seek, to ask, or to share, comes totally under His command. Except his Lordship. What does this do for us? It allows us to cast every care upon Him, for He has the power and authority to care for you. What's it bring to us? It provides peace that passes all of your intellectual understanding. You have the assurance that He possesses the control and command of each of your needs. This is the place that most of us have never ventured into because we've never had any understanding of it. But this is how we can live in what Jesus promised us from John 14 through 17 when he promised us the peace, his peace, his joy, the spirit of truth, and the very glory of which he possessed. We can rest in the lordship of Jesus Christ. This is the way to do so. Of course, then we have to apply his position of our man in the Godhead directly to our lives. Be open, eared to allow him to communicate with us through the Holy Spirit. This will be the means where he communicates concepts, insights, and ideas that come directly into your life. Most never experience this due to not knowing about his position or being taught to avoid the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But... If you have stayed with me and been with me, you know now that he is Jesus Christ, the high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. And when we find him as Lord over everything, and we proceed to find him as our man in the Godhead, the Holy Ghost, infilling of the Spirit of God will bring us into the knowledge of truth. That will, <coughs> excuse me, lead us and guide us into places in Christ that we've never been and that will show us things to come. 
I pray that God blesses you as you hear and study His Word. And until we speak again, I pray the riches of the fullness of assurance of His names over your life. God bless you.